In today's episode, we're speaking to Justin Janowski, who has helped hundreds of coaches build their dream businesses from ground up. Driven by his faith, he founded Faith to Influence to help people learn what it takes to turn coaching into profitable business venture. Justin has helped Christian and non-Christian coaches alike through the rewarding process of optimizing business models, pricing, and sales strategies so they can scale their income alongside their impact. He has a passion for sharing this process with emerging entrepreneurs to help them simplify and grow their businesses the right way. Justin currently lives in Milwaukee with his beautiful wife, Cara, and their playful kiddos, Grace and Gavin. Let's speak to Justin and find out how he changed his life by changing his mindset. Let's find out. And remember, if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link and join my free community. See inside the community. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame, and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession, or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so excited. We're speaking to the amazing Justin Janowski. Welcome, just uh, welcome, Justin. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't betray your name this time, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Justin. Justin, I must heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are and how amazing you are. But please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. I help coaches and entrepreneurs sell more, but I, I help them sell more with high integrity. What I know is that so many entrepreneurs coaches and leaders in the marketplace love giving their gift. They love serving people. They love coaching people, but they struggle with sales. And they think that they're not a good salesperson or that sales is scary or pushy or sleazy or manipulative. And so I teach them a really high converting sales process. That's also really high integrity and feels good for the prospect and the coach, whether they buy or not. Awesome. So talk us through your your journey, Justin. How did you arrive here? How did you become coach of coaches? What yeah. was the journey for you? And you know, Talk us through. Well, when I was 18 years old, I started selling Cutco kitchen knives, which is a very expensive US made knife set. I would literally do in-home presentations and sit at the kitchen table with Mr. and Mrs. Jones and show them these knives and cut rope and cut pennies and all these different funny things and sell these expensive knife sets that were like a thousand US dollars at the time. And they're, uh, they actually cost a lot more than that now. I did that for a few years. It's a goofy job. It's not for everyone. Mm. Uh, very high turnover rate, but I sold a few hundred thousand dollars worth of those knives and realized I loved sales. I loved being an entrepreneur. I loved influence and speaking. And then I hired my first coach while I was there who helped me really with my personal development along with my professional development. Mm-hmm. I later got into financial planning and then I hired my second coach. And at that point realized, man, I really love the work that they do with me. I want to do that for others. And so I became part of their team and I was a lead salesperson for them for a few years and sold a couple million dollars worth of high ticket coaching packages for them. And then realized I wanted to start my own business and do it my way. So how have you, you know, but when, as a sales rep, I suppose you've always been used to earning on commission. 
but it, there is still a big big transition from having at least a base income plus the commission which would come in the sales rep role compared to you know being a completely 100 percent um commission based and then obviously when you have your own business there, there is no you know there is no um buffer zone at all you're running your, the show yourself talk me through how did you transition from that and do you come from a family of entrepreneurs or was it something this that, that you mm-hmm. had to learn on your own you know, talk me through yeah, my family have more traditional jobs. Uh, my mom is a salesperson at heart and had different sales jobs, but was never an entrepreneur. For me, it just, it was luck. It was sheer luck of the day after I graduated high school, flipping through a newspaper, which I know people don't really do anymore, but I did. And I found a job wanted ad and I, I called it and I didn't know what it was exactly. And it happened to be that sales job. And I fell into that opportunity and realized it was what I loved. From an income standpoint, um, my previous job at starting Faith to Influence was a six-figure earning job. I had a six-figure base. like I knew I was going to have a nice income. And my wife and I had just had our first baby. And she decided to leave her job to stay at home for the first year of Grace's life. And while she was doing that, it was my second day back to work after paternity leave that I realized, oh man, I felt like God was calling me to start this coaching business mm-hmm. and to go out on my own. And I remember calling and telling her and she bawled, she just cried, you know, obviously a lot of emotions, new mom, a mm-hmm. lot of security that my job was providing. And I like wanted to take all of that security away. And we took a month and thought about it and talked to people we respected and prayed and went through our process. And I made the decision to start Faith to Influence it was really scary financially because I was mm-hmm. leaving all of our guaranteed income behind and trusting and believing that this could work. And mm-hmm. we had a little bit of a cushion, a little bit in savings, enough that I felt like if I could make 60 grand in my first year, that we could make it and stay mm-hmm. in business. And and it went way better than I imagined. I ended up earning 250 grand in my first year. But during those first few months before I knew that was going to happen, I was tossing and turning. I was having a hard time falling asleep at night. I was excited and scared all at the same time about whether or not the money piece was going to work out. And then of course, really grateful when it did. Awesome. I think that money plays a major, major part with most people's life choices. Mm-hmm. I know that with myself, money was a big factor, but I didn't let it just dictate which direction I went in. I remember when my when I had to go back into employment, I had been off for because I mean I took a break from work and conventional work as well, because I was in corporate. I took a break for a good number of years to look after my family. And when it was time for me to go back, because I was now alone and single parent of two, it was actually my kids which determined what which angle I went in. It mm. not wasn't necessarily money. And I thought, well, I have to make it work because I want to work around my kids, not go back into corporate world and never see my kids. So even though it money is important, if you let money dictate your decisions, then you are kind of stuck where you are because you have this false security that where you are it's safe and you know conventional job is a safer option I remember my brother and my father both were really really upset with me because I wasn't going to go back and be I wasn't going back into law wasn't going to be a lawyer anymore I, I chose to be an entrepreneur for whatever reason and they couldn't mm-hmm. understand up to that moment I hadn't made had I didn't have any successful endeavors like everything I tried had failed miserably and so their idea of me as an entrepreneur was zero or sub-zero because I lost so much money so going carrying on and doing another entrepreneurial venture for myself was completely stupid however and this is what I would add up until those that point any endeavors I tried the motivation was money Mm -hmm. afterwards it was to be able to provide for my kids around them on my terms 
mm-hmm. not money. The, the motivation was completely different because before I was financially taken care of, so I just wanted to make more money. So that's not the only idea. Now it was make sure my kids had food, make sure my, you know, and I I didn't go out to work. I worked around my kids and I still do. I work around my kids. I think that's a big factor. And that's what I'm listening to him from you that once your baby was born, it was all about the baby and it was all about making sure that you made life choices around your family and what's best for your family, not necessarily what's best for money. Am I, yeah. am I correct? Yeah, yeah. It just, it felt like for every other reason, this was the right thing to do. And it I felt compelled. I felt pulled to it. I, I did feel like I could create a lifestyle that I wanted mm-hmm. for my family and opportunities for my family. And I want to follow my dream and do the thing that felt right and felt best to me. I didn't want money mm-hmm. to stand away from that. I didn't know that I was going to earn more. I thought I would earn less. But, you know, that's the cool thing about being an entrepreneur is you do have the capacity to earn more as well. So that was just a a nice surprise. But the decision was really around, yeah, what was best for my family? What was best for me? What was I feeling called to in my life? Awesome. So what what lessons have you learned on your on your way? I mean, I knew it was scary, but you, you know, you wanted to make 60, you ended up making 250. What lessons did you pick up on along that hard road? Because that I would say hard because it is. That's a roller coaster road when you're trying to build it. And the first year can be extremely scary when you're having sleepless nights and there are bills to pay and you've got a young family and you have to think about them as well. What lessons would you say are, are the, that that really stand out for you now looking back in hindsight? Yeah, for me, one of the the first and most prevalent lessons was just surrendering to God, just like letting go, like not putting too much pressure on myself. I had to like surrender and let go of the, the fears or anxieties or concerns or the the wonders of whether or not I was good enough, the self-judgment. I just had to like let go and surrender all of that and say, if this is what I'm meant to do, then I'm just going to go do it. It's, it's just going to have to work. And I have to trust that and believe and and just let go a little bit because I could get myself so wrapped up in my head. And there's, there was a, an ease to the word surrender for me early on. Uh, that was a very important lesson. And then, you know, just recognizing that repetition is the key to mastery. If I wanted to be great at speaking, I mean, I remember when I was new doing a Facebook live felt terrifying. Recording a video or a training by myself felt terrifying. Being a podcast guest would have just given me knots in my stomach at the beginning. And I did it anyways. And I did it and I did it and I did it. And eventually it gets easier and we get more comfortable and get more confidence. And and I just know like if we just show up and keep taking the right actions over and over again mm-hmm. through that we can achieve a level of mastery and then we're going to get better results that follow it. And so those are two of the early ones that I really remember connecting with was surrendering and letting go. And then knowing, knowing that repetition and the right action will produce a result over a period of time. Something you said that really stuck out to me. It's, it's not the people who achieve things. It's not that they don't have fear about things. It's not that they're not afraid of doing certain things. It's the ability to have the fear, but have the courage to do it anyway. I think yeah. that's that's what's important. And I it's something it's it's funny actually when something something that I get you know told very often is, oh you're a very good public speaker. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was speaking to someone on, on the shop and like, gosh, you're such a good speaker, you know, you should be on TV. I, I, just, I just laughed. I thought I did I'm like, I've got a podcast, but then never mind. Um but it, I remember when I first did my Facebook Live back in 2017, I think it was. And it was exactly the same. I I was fumbling over things and I was worried. I mean, I never fumbled my words anyway, because I think my law background. 
But I felt I was fumbling over myself and my words and I wasn't as confident. And I thought people were going to judge me and they're going to think I'm fat or I'm this or I'm that. And, you know, all those things that you think about yourself, which at that time, you know, I put makeup on now. I didn't even put makeup. I'm like, I go in like this. <laughs> um, but I remember trying to present myself and being concerned about my clothing, my accent, my, my, my parents. You judge yourself so harshly at the beginning. And as you get into the flow of it, you realize people really don't care. And mm -hmm. people are more concerned with what value you bring to the table in whatever mode, you know, either through a podcast or through an interview or through your training or through your teaching. It's the value you bring, not necessarily the packaging. The packaging is important too, I suppose, you know, to a certain extent. And I don't say, I don't take that lightly, but it's not the primary concern. And as long as you're reasonably presentable, you know, you don't have to wear the Gucci watch or whatever. No one's really interested in that. It's more being presentable and being able to take, show your value to people. Like I, I don't resonate with people who swear a lot. So when people swear a lot, it turns me off. So that's presentation. But I'm still interested in the content. So if they have good content, I'll still listen to them. But it's just, I find it very distracting when they're swearing constantly. And some, some very well-known people do that. And I, I purposely can't follow them because of that reason. But the value they still bring is amazing. So right. I'll probably listen to the co written content instead. So I'll change the mode on which I uh, consume their content, but the value still remains the same. The value is still there. And it's understanding that point. It's the people are, are more interested in the value you bring to them and the value you bring to them, not the value you think you bring. It's that understanding as well, because it's all about them, not about you. Right, that, right. Yeah, that? I mean, my first coach, Hal Elrod, used to say, give up the need to be perfect for the opportunity to be authentic. You know, we, we need to let go of this like perfectionist and like beating ourselves up over every little thing. Every one of us, if you're like in the, the coaching, leadership, speaking kind of space, entrepreneurship space, you've got a tribe of people who will love you because of how you speak, because mm -hmm. of how you look, because of the way you present yourself, your style and the things that are different about you, the nuance, that's what's going to attract your tribe. And for so many coaches and entrepreneurs and speakers, it's not like you need billions of people to like you and like the way you sound or look or all these different things or think you're perfect. You just need probably in some cases a dozen clients or a few dozen clients or maybe a few hundred clients. For most people, if they were to achieve those kinds of numbers, they'd be wildly successful and achieve all of their key dreams. And so remembering that we do not need to appeal to everyone. We just need to attract our tribe can take some of the pressure off too. 100%. And I was thinking that... You know, in the beginning, one of my biggest concern was I speak really, really fast. And I have, I think, supposed slow down a little bit, I suppose. But still, even now, when I get really excited and I'm really like, oh, my God, do you know this? I Even when I'm recording a podcast and I get really, really passionate about a topic or something, I speed up. I go from 0 to 100, like literally ever in a few seconds. <laughs> and I have to consciously slow myself down because that's who I am. And it's funny that you said that because the people I attract before initially, I was like, oh, people are going to think I talk too fast and won't understand what I'm saying. However, now a lot of people say, well, they actually like that, that they listen to me because I talk fast, because I'm able to get to the point across. Because a lot of the times they have to speed up the, the other people because they're, they're too slow for them. I know I do. When I listen to audiobooks, or whatever, I can't, I cannot for the life of me listen at normal speed. It's usually a minimum of 1.5, and sometimes it's as much as, as 2x because the speaker is far too slow for me. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I attract those kind of people as well. So it's, you know, if someone speaks very slowly and and wants to understand every word, I'm not that person. 
I, I'm going to run off 100 miles per hour. You should follow it. But the content there would be amazing if you can follow. And that's, yeah. and the, but I've accepted that about myself that I'm never going to be slow speaker. I'm, I'm going to be a passionate, animated, yeah. and a fast speaker. So people have to keep up or, yeah. you know, find someone else. And it's accepting those so called flaws in yourself. Because when I looked at myself even as a speaker, when people tell me I'm a great speaker, I think, really? Okay. You haven't heard me speak recently, have you? It, it's automatic because you know, I'm already thinking of 10 things that are, are wrong with my, you know, my speech or my mannerism. But people don't see that. People see you. Whereas you see yourself and you judge yourself from this, you know, magnified, you know, exaggerated version of yourself. And you still do that all the time. You wouldn't do that to anybody else, but you do it to yourself. So you're, the self-criticism is awful. So how do you get rid of that? And that's even more prevalent in the coaching space because imposter syndrome comes to bite your backside more often here than anywhere else yeah. so how do you deal with that mm. it's so good and one of the things that we teach is connectivity like mm. being connected to your audience and your tribe and connection is about a likeness right so you notice the people who speak fast or like to listen fast they mm. like to speak fast because yeah. they're like oh wow goal is my kind of person because she she gets to the point she's in, she's in a hurry she's not like wasting my time it's chock full of energy and and wisdom and it's all happening fast and that's how yeah. a lot of people want it. and so if you recognize that like that's going to connect you to your ideal audience perfect and then i've got i've got a client in uh louisiana a small like southern town in wisconsin actually not wisconsin i'm in wisconsin in the united states and where albert lives he culturally like people take their time they're not in a rush mm. they're not going to talk fast culturally around him people are going to take their time and talk slowly they're going to tell extra stories mm. they're going to illustrate every point with a story they're not going to be in a rush to get there and so when albert's talking to people in his area they want the story and so if i'm talking to someone like you i might go a little bit faster i might go to the point a little bit faster i might connect that way with you and if i'm with albert i might tell an extra story or two mm. i might slow down my pace a little bit and so we can recognize that like all of us have range in our voices and, and a capacity to like raise our volume, to mm -hmm. lower our volume, to speed up a little bit, to slow down a little bit, to soften our tone, to challenge with our tone when appropriate. And so there's, there's all kinds of opportunities that we have with the variability of our voice. Mm -hmm. And it's fun to learn and play with that and see how we can connect with our audience, but also find our authentic leadership voice. And to me, like that is finding what's your authentic leadership pace, your authentic volume, your authentic tone and energy and emotion and the way you communicate. And my authentic leadership voice is going to sound different from yours, yeah. going to sound different than Albert's. And all of us can be exceptional leaders. And so I think, again, it comes back to what I shared before about repetition being the key to mastery. If you want to get to a place of accepting yourself more, if I want to get to a place of accepting myself more, Albert wants to do the same. What do we need to do? We need to put ourselves in the game over and over and over and over again. I judged mm -hmm. myself so much early on. And now I've just like, I've learned to let it go because I've had enough opportunities to accept myself. I've received enough feedback from my audience that they appreciate my authentic leadership voice, and the way I show up. And so all of that can help. And I think that, again, it's just about doing it scared. Remember that done is better than perfect. Yeah. Something out there, allowing yourself to be B, B plus. I, I accept B plus. When I record my podcast, I click play, I talk, I make mistakes, I fumble, I laugh, I keep going and I click end. I don't even edit it. I'm willing to be B plus because I know mm -hmm. if I hold myself to an A plus standard, I'm not going to put the work out. And so that has helped me over time. Uh, just be a little bit more easy with myself. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies 
and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. It's funny you say that my podcast is very similar. I mean, we do get it edited, but it, it, they, these are minor edits. So, you know, they're, they're very little in comparison to what's normally done by other people. Me. Because the, the way we have it, if you are authentic on, on the podcast, if you make a mistake, you fumble over the words, or you or you make it, you know, you do something, unless it's drastic, like this noise or something happens or, or <laughs> technology breaks down, which is usually the case with Zoom, isn't it? Then we can, we, we get those small things edited and, and same thing for both for the YouTube as well as for our our podcast, we we just let it go naturally flow, and it's it's you know we we put everything together and show our true authentic self, water and all. So, you know we are who we are, and and not be ashamed of it. I think that comes that confidence comes with time, and it comes with accepting who you are, and it's certain element of a certain certain amount of validation from other people is also required and that comes with as you go through your coaching business or your other businesses and over time your successes even small ones begin to validate who you are you know your achievements you're on the right path and then it's a a cycle you become to accept yourself more and then you get more success and so forth and so forth but initially you have to believe in yourself and I remember saying remember my mother used to say this to me when I was younger, and I learned this so much in, in person development ever since. You have to believe in you before anybody else does. You have to believe in you, you know, before any of the magic can happen. And and sometimes you have to believe in you without even evidence of it. You know, I I believed I was an A grade student before it even happened. And I, I'm dyslexic, so I, I couldn't even read a full sentence until I was about 11, 12 years old. So I was in high school by the time I was able to read a full sentence. Yet I thought I was the smartest person in the on the class. I wasn't. I, I just chose to believe it. And guess what happened? I ended up becoming not just the smartest person in my class, in my college, in, in my university too. I was one of the, the top students there too. Why? Because I believed in it. But I had to believe in it first. And that's just one example. But then I was in business as well. And even now, it doesn't matter which new venture you go into, you have self-doubt and there'll be other people doubting you. So now I talk about my new venture, which I've gone into, and I, uh, it's manufacturing. And funnily enough, my, in my company, I'm, I'm the only woman there. And mm-hmm. and it's funny how it's my my staff don't know me. The people working with me don't. It's just the people who I had as the management, the you know, they are... They, I've realized they, they've, they've, you know, they um, give me notice and they're leaving because they didn't believe in my leadership. The shop floor everybody else does is those two people don't. And I have to say, I was very disappointed when they did because it's, it's, it's quite striking when you have fears about yourself and then somebody says that to you, to your face, that you you don't have the ability to do this and this is why I'm leaving. Um, one of them, not so much, but the other one really pretty much said that to my face, literally. And I was... Yeah, I was gobsmacked. I was thinking, what? Okay, someone say that to me. And all that did was made me smile because up until that point, if I had any doubts in my mind, if I had any kind of uh, inclination, can I do this? Can I not do this? All went out the window because mm-hmm. as soon as, I, as that person said those doubts to me, verbalized them, I realized, you're underestimating me. You think I can't do this. Ooh, this means 110% I can do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to rock this. I'm going to rock this company. Inshallah, I'm going to take it to things you can't even imagine to. So do it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Go. Um, let me see where I take it. And I know in my heart of heart, I don't know how I'm going to do it, 
but I know for a fact and that knowing comes has come before and multiple times when I've done this in my life it's that when I have those you know the quantum leaps and the, the breaks breakthroughs that's when I have that belief and I have that in my, my heart but that was given to me when someone doubted me so much and to the point where I could have really shat it could have really shattered all my confidence because I'm not an engineer by trade I'm a lawyer I'm a woman um in a completely in a, in a company with this about 25 people I'm the only female um mm. it helps that I'm the boss but you know still it was it was interesting and I say this with, with all humility when someone doubts you you need to build your so much confidence in yourself that like you have as soon as someone verbalizes their doubts to you you should go the other way and say great fantastic that means I can prove myself and I can do great and I am going to do well and you can just get you know work on that there is no doubt in my mind that I'm going to do fabulously well with this company and I would have had more doubts if he didn't say this to me so what would you say that you know that I mean that I've developed that but I've developed it throughout throughout my hardships through my life how does someone develop that kind of confidence I know how I did it but how would somebody else do it because I think that's essential to succeed yeah. in life in, in any area it could be any new venture yeah. yeah we we teach content around what's called the art of influence okay. and you know there's a, an internal and an external art of like how we influence coach lead sell etc and in the internal art of influence, the first piece of it is your identity, how you mm. see yourself. And, you know, what we talk about is that that greatly affects the results you get. If you see yourself in a high light, you're going to have more success. You're going to expect more from yourself. You're going to perform. If you have a, a tremendous amount of self-doubt and really negative self-talk, it's going to be harder for you to perform. It's going to get in your way. Now, many people have their identity in progress. You know, mm. they're, it's it's a challenge. It's a, It's an everyday battle to a certain degree. And it's probably because of old stories that somebody told us when yeah. we were little, our parents or our grandparents or our neighbor or our teacher, somebody who did doubt us and maybe press some people down. But what I want people to know is like, all you need is that mustard seed of faith. You just need a little bit of belief in yourself and that can spring into something else. It can grow and, and blossom into something much better than that. And I think there's three ways to really develop your identity to a place where you believe in yourself enough for other people to believe in you and have confidence in you. And for me, like when I'm in sales, selling coaching for myself, if I'm not confident, who's going to buy it, right? Exactly, so yeah. If you're, if you're a coach, that kind of like service-based entrepreneur, if you don't seem like you believe in it, it's going to be hard for people to believe and want to buy. So your confidence is really contagious and important. But three ways I know to develop your identity. One, you kind of referenced already, but it's having like a positive self-talk and it's having like affirmations. You told yourself growing up, I'm the smartest in the class. I'm the smartest in the class. I'm the smartest in the class. Yeah. And what happened, even when you told yourself that when you weren't, you became the smartest in the class because yeah. of what you told yourself. That story, that soundtrack that you placed on your head over and over and over that just was on repeat. And so we can do this by writing empowering I am statements. Mm -hmm. I am a great coach. I am a great leader. I'm a generous salesperson. I'm a loving salesperson. I'm a great dad. I'm a great mom. I'm a great husband. I'm a great wife. All of these things, we might need to write that and speak it and read it and remind ourselves over and over to put a new soundtrack on. And if this is hard for you, you're the person who needs to do it the most. Mm -hmm. um, not you. I'm talking to the audience. I know. I know. Of course. And then the second piece here is um, that we want to surround ourselves with encouraging people. And so I know some people are really motivated by the person who speaks doubt. And I love that as you share that story. I think a lot of people resonate with that, mm. but I think it's easier to stand in the face of doubt and be challenged by that and receive the challenge and be better because of it. If you've got a corner of people surrounding you who encourage you and speak life into your dreams 100%. and see the very best of who you are and the very best of who you can be. And so if somebody's feeling like really down on their identity and like the discouragement doesn't fire them up and it like depresses them really low, 
instead, then that's a person who really wants to be thoughtful about their environment. Really, we all should surround ourselves with people who will speak life, who believe in us and encourage us. And we need to be those people for others as well and return that favor, see people for the very best of who they can be. And then the third piece for me and in my value set is just to, to pray, to bring it to God. And for other people, that might not be for them. If that's not for them, sit in meditation, like take some deep mm. breaths, just like allow yourself to like clear out some of the junk and clear out some of the space. Yoga can do this for some people. Yeah. Uh, but but some kind of, I think, spiritual practice can be helpful for me is, is prayer. That God help me to develop my identity. Help me to see myself the way you see me, the best of who I can be. And you can have that similar kind of dialogue and process through meditation or something else as well. I love that. I think the the last one really resonates with me because I, I do, I don't, I have, I, I would say some people in my corner who really encourage me and they said, you can do anything or you can do anything. You, you've done everything. So you can do everything. And they really believe in me. And I've got some very, very good friends like that. They're the cousin stroke friends. But I think the the most important factor for me from the three that you mentioned was God. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I have doubt in myself, I go to, because I'm Muslim and I'm practicing Muslim, and I would pray. I do a lot of prayers. So they know the, the daily five daily prayers. I don't do five because I'm normally busy, but I try to make them up. So I end up doing three and doing all of them together in, in, in those. But every time I pray, I pray to God to help me. So I, I pray in the way that I by myself. And I think this helps to keep your ego in check too. You never become egotistical. You never become arrogant. You always remain humble. So one of the, the the things that I like about myself is I don't let my ego get in the way. So I could have had this conversation go really sour and be become very uncomfortable. I decided to stice a bit and see, okay, how can we work together for the next time until you need to leave uh, mm-hmm. and make the best use of your time for the company. And then when you say bye-bye, we never see each other again. I don't have to see you again, which is perfectly fine. But if you go to God with that humility, like God, myself i have no idea how i'm gonna do this but with your strength with your help anything's possible because you can do anything i can't do everything you can do everything so i'm limited you're not and i go to god with that mindset so i know that may not be possible for some people but i talk about it you can do it from if you're not religious do it to the universe the universe is there the universe is at your back you use the term universe i don't care what term they use god universe I'd say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can say Buddha, you can say whatever, whatever deity you're you're praying to, connecting with, it's a divine energy. And you go with it because you're so small, but that universal divine energy is huge and is all-encompassing. So as long as you have that on your side, everything's possible. And there's a way out of place that you you can't think imagine possible. And that's where faith comes in. So the faith is not necessarily in your ability, it's your, it's you knowing that universal energy or god will help you guide you through would give you the strength required to overcome whatever obstacle you have so that keeps you that faith strong but at the same time it stops you from being Aaron, like oh i'm just so amazing i'm gonna get this i'm so brilliant because no one's brilliant everyone has to learn all the time and right. the humility keeps you in check because you constantly go back to god god help me i'm become so like i don't know where to go give me direction and meditation helps with that because that's when god's speaking to you you know when you get your intuition coming working with you you have to connect with some higher source to get inspiration. Because I think without intuition, you can't do anything. You just can't. When you move forward, it, it, life becomes so hard. But if you have God or, you know, universal energy through meditation, that intuition helps with the guidance. And that guidance can take you, you know, take you quantumly forward. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, as humans, we're all flawed. We're all weak, you know, in, in certain Absolutely. ways. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we can't do it by ourselves. I remember like, <laughs> and, and for me, I'm a Christian. It's cool that we're having, like, we, we pray in a similar way. Um, like the, the words you use in your prayer, like a very similar to how I might pray. But I just remember that 
the night before my first event, I was leading, feeling so scared and like almost to tears, wondering if I could do this and just having to like that surrender again and let go and say, God, maybe I can't do this, but you can do anything. Yeah. Do this through me. And um, it's just, it's a, it's a powerful opportunity. And the other interesting thing is like when we're praying, uh, not only like, is it connecting us to God, but it also has the effect of like, if you're speaking out loud, especially it's an affirmation. Like you're speaking the words of what you want. And yeah. we all know this, that like, if you write down what you want, if you talk about what you want, you think about what you want, you're more likely to attain it. One of my coaches used to say, if you got in one hand, what you want and in the other hand, what you don't want, if you look at what you don't want all the time, you can't even see what you want. Mm. You know, you, you can only see one or the other. And so he would remind us to look at what you want. And so that can be the form of a prayer too. It's like focusing on what you do want on, on what you are moving towards and speaking life into it, even as you pray. Mm. Um, it, it has a psychological effect on, on your brain and the results and the actions and behaviors and everything else that's going to come after that. And it has, I always find, you know, when I, when I break down in front of God, or when I do, when, when I do my prayers and we have a way, which by the way is grounding. So we, we put, you know, we, we Muslims, we prostrate our head on the ground and scientifically that's really, really powerful because you ground yourself very well then. Mm-hmm. Um, I find when I'm in that position, praying to God and, you know, acknowledging my weakness, when I when I get up and I usually end up in being tears and being very you know um, emotional, when I ended that and I've got up, I just have this rush of confidence in myself. Like you know what, it's like Hannah, I've I've given all my all my worries to God, uh, I've given the burden away. I can walk away light. It's like someone's taken all this pain off, and I can walk away because I know I've done my prayer. My, you know, God will find my way, and I have this innate confidence. I'm going to find a way. And today is another example. Today is exactly what happened. I got this morning and had this business dilemma. I was really, really stuck. And I was thinking, what the hell do I do? So I prayed. I got up about 5.30 in the morning, prayed the Hajjad, which is midnight prayer, which is a bit late at the moment. Then I read the Hajjad prayer. And between the two, I was constantly thinking, okay, you know, tell me, guide me. I have no idea. You show me a path. And I kid you not, within a space of four to five hours, way was made forward in a very logical way, because things God's very logical, sends a very logical, you know, way out. Um, yeah. I've got a very logical way out of that situation without any additional, you know, headache. It was just as a, I can't deal with it, you deal with it. And the way was given to me within a few hours. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to bed tonight thinking, thank you, that problem has already been solved. And it was yeah. a major, major problem because I was thinking, how am I going to balance these two things? Like, I, I just, it was a problem that I just could not see a way out. Within a few few hours, I got a solution. And mm. that's my example of a miracle for my miracle today that God gave me. But I yeah. gave that burden away and I walked away with confidence. I'm going to have a solution. I didn't know mm. when. And I got it. And I think having that faith in your in God or universal energy helps you to have the courage to face the problems you have got. And then, you know, you're, you can do it. See, if you want to do it spiritually, say, oh, God gave you the reason. If you do it logically or, or psychologically, well, your subconscious mind goes, oh, I have to find a solution now. <laughs> she's not giving me a way out. She she has telling me I need to find a way. And it gives you a solution. Yeah, I've experienced that same thing, that same sensation. Uh, all of a sudden, unexpected gifts, unexpected solutions, doors open, opportunities show up. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so on that note, we're going to wrap this up. So any, are there any parting comments from you about somebody who's thinking about going down the entrepreneurial route but he's thinking hmm, not really sure this is the time for me and and he's using money as an excuse to not jump, take the plunge 
Mm. Well, it's it's interesting. For some, that you should start your business as a side hustle. I and agree. it should be additional income to what you're already making. It's a safer path. Mm-hmm. You can begin to investigate. You can spend a few hours here or there and get started. For me, that wouldn't have necessarily worked for my personality type. Like I needed to quit the other job and go all in. That's not the smartest thing for most people. If you've got a little bit of runway, that created leverage and like the right amount of fear for me to like call me into massive action, but it didn't debilitate me. Like if that kind of decision would debilitate you, if it'd be like, way too scary, then don't do it. Like start building on the side, start investigating, find some mentors, listen to podcasts like this and, and and start to find your way forward and investigate and see if it's for you. Um, my path isn't for everybody the all in, but for some like financially, like that would actually be the thing that would cause you to move into action and get the best results for most starting as a side hustle is pretty safe. So tell us, um, Justine, where can we find you on the internet? How can we connect with you? Yes. I mean, you can find me on social media, just my name, Justin Janowski. You can also uh, get a copy of our 10-step PDF. Uh, it's it's how we do sales in a high-integrity way. So if there are entrepreneurs who are like, man, I really want to get better at sales, you can go to goodsalespdf.com and get a free copy of our 10-step sales process. Awesome. So if you are listening to us on a podcast, the links that Justin just mentioned will be on the show notes. And if you're watching us on YouTube, then down below in the description section we'll have the links for justin to go check him out and see how he can help you build your business and help you with yourself well thank you so much for today justin it's been a fabulous conversation i really enjoyed uh, talking to you um i think we definitely need to continue this conversation on money talkies but for today thank you so much for joining us thank you Gal. it was fun and thank you for listening to me and justin today and friday feature i will be back with another amazing guest finding out how they changed their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com and if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop and if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money then go and get my book Laws of Money from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.